0: So uh, I guess the best place to start this interview out is uh, where I guess every interview starts out, and that's uh, what got you into horror and what made you want to get into the business? Well, I've
1: always been a horror fan since I was a little kid. Uh, So, you know, I always loved monsters, Godzilla, Dracula, whatever, you know. And uh, uh, right around when I was 13, or no, no, actually probably 10, was uh, when my stepdad got his first VCR, and it was back in two in 1978 or 79. So I had my hands watching like Evil Dead and Andy Rawls' Flesh for Frankenstein, and you know watching the crazy movies before most people really even knew they existed. So, and it just grew from there. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I've just been a horror fan forever. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So here I am. Um,
0: when did you kind of get introduced to the more extreme films?
1: That was, well, you see, the, the extreme stuff would happen now and then, you know, like, uh, uh, Faces of Death, Blood Sucking Freaks, uh, Reanimator, stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I mean, Flesh for Frankenstein was pretty extreme at the time, you know, so there was always extreme movies going around, so whenever I'd come across them, it's like, ah, but uh, when I started doing the, um, the bootleg circuit back in the early 90s, early 80s even, and when I started getting my hands on, you know, uh, films from overseas, that sort of really like cracked it open. Because, like, it took me forever to find a bootleg copy of Cannibal Holocaust, but when I finally saw it, it's like, ah, this is what we're talking about right here. Uh, So, yeah, so, yeah, so I've been, I've always enjoyed the extreme movies more, just because the extreme movies usually had a lot more special effects, hmm. you know, uh... So, yeah, a lot lot more hardcore. You know, I mean, I I love Hellraiser and this and that. uh, But I think that stopped at number three. (laughs) Uh, The third Hellraiser was, okay, it wasn't bad. One and two were amazing, but then, blah. (laughs) So uh, it's a shame. Uh, Hopefully, Hellraiser one day will go back to the extreme section of what the Cenobites used to be, you know?
0: Yeah, the third one had the the Cenobite with the CDs in his head. I always thought that was kind of strange.
1: That was a stupid one, yeah. That yeah. was a stupid Cenobite. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, over the years, they had all sorts of different Cenobites. Now, the ones that could have been awesome was they had twin female Cenobites. And I'm like, all right, listen, this is going to be good. But nope. It's like wah, wah, wah.
0: Yeah. Have you watched the the new Hellraiser? Oh, no. Yeah, we haven't either. I'm just curious. I've heard mixed things, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard black. Uh, so, uh, and the thing is, you know, it's not on Netflix, and it's not Redbox. red box. Uh, To see it, you know, maybe you can rent it online.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. That's, uh, that's the hard part is that uh, movies nowadays, it's not like uh, what it used to be. Uh, and you can, you know, can't really find some online streaming. You know, to where you pay for it, you know. And this and that. I mean you can find the stuff uh torrents all the time. But I don't do any of that. Right. You know. So yeah. So yeah, there's tons of movies I'm I'm dying to see but still haven't seen seen
0: them. Right. Um talk a little bit how Unearth films became a thing.
1: How Unearth became a thing?
0: Yeah, like how did Unearth start?
1: Uh Well, I was actually pirating the guinea pig films back in the uh, 90s, and uh, the guy who was repping them contacted me, told me, hey, stop that, but hey, would you like to buy the guinea pig movies? And so, needless to say, me and him uh, worked together and uh, started Unearthed Films.
0: Nice. (laughs) Um, I was always attracted to Unearthed just because of um, you guys released you know, really obscure and, and extreme films, and there's a couple movies I'd like to kind of ask, maybe, like, how you first heard about them and what it was like putting them out. Mm-hmm. For instance, um, the film that got me into Unearth was uh, Black Sun, the Nanking Massacre. Like, what kind of your initial reaction to that one and what it was like working on that?
1: Oh, well, that that was an awesome DVD. I mean, we did, pulled out all sorts of special features. Uh, the director, T.F. Moo, a uh, really cool guy, uh, very... Very open and stuff, and uh, uh, we had the telecine done for that because uh, really, it wasn't released before us. Um, and uh, yeah, actually, uh, TF Mu gave me the uh, screenplay for the third film in Men Behind the Sun, the series. And oh man, he was trying to get that done, but when he made uh, Black Sun, he was actually working with the Chinese government. You know, they were paying him money to make the film. And, uh, uh, yeah, when they saw it, they were like, oh, yeah, this isn't good. (laughs) (laughs) This this is going to get us in trouble with the Japanese. And it did. Uh, I I was even getting some death threats from Japanese nationalists uh, before we released it. And uh, the lady who wrote The Rape of Nanking, the book, she was actually shot in the head under a bridge a week before our release date, so that was sort of um, interesting,
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, so uh, luckily you really couldn't find me at the time, uh, I don't know if it was Japanese nationalists, but yeah, 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 um, so who knows.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to ask about that, because I did a review for it on my YouTube channel a while ago, and the amount of comments of people trying to claim that the the Nanking massacre never happened was truly startling.
1: Oh, yeah, no, that's crazy.
0: I mean, the amount of proof is ridiculous.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the amount of pictures and film and footage, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had uh, on the Nanking disc, uh, we have an interactive map that you can actually move around and you can see exactly what happens and what, what happened where and when. Uh, pretty cool. It was, uh, uh, historically, we had a lot of, um, uh, how do you say? Uh, war historians contact us and thanked us for the amazing job on it. mm
2: Uh, so that was sort of cool.
0: Another title that I've always been into is the, uh, Red Room Films. Kind of how you got involved in that one.
1: Oh, well, we were friends with JHV um, because they, uh, they did um, uh, They did the guinea pig films back in the day. And we were working with them, and we saw a bunch of their films, and we're like, ooh, I think we're still going to put out Moves on Me, damn it.
0: Oh, that was actually a question. That's a film I've championed for a long time. I love that movie.
1: Yeah, that's, you know, I mean, we have it, I, you know, and uh, it's just we haven't, uh, the, the materials were sort of screwed up, and then uh, we're getting screwed over by a company or two. Mm. So stuff had to go on the back burner for a
0: bit. What about uh, Yamanachi's other films, like Girl Hell '99? Is there any movement on yeah, those? Yeah, we
1: had, we had all those were ready to go.
0: <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah, all those are ready to go. Girl School
1: Hell '1999, Kyoku versus uh, whatever. <laughs> I mean, we were ready to go with all those, but at the time, that's when we were getting screwed over by distributors. Mm. So it sort of like derailed us for a bit.
0: Right. Um, last one on this in, is uh, probably for fans of extreme films would kill me if I didn't ask about it, the Vomit Gore Trilogy. Pretty infamous and like divisive films. Kind of talk about putting those out and the reaction to them and working with Lucer Valentine. Uh,
1: well... Uh, I hit up Lucer Valentine. I mean, when they had, when they first did the first Slaughtered Vomit Dom movie, I was talking to, uh, the producer of it. And, uh, you know, they, he was wanting a hundred thousand dollars and I'm like, dude, I can buy Frank and for 20 grand. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to buy this for a hundred thousand. I mean, you know, uh, yeah. So that, you know, failed, And then I guess he, he went off to parts unknown and, uh, Valentine did the regurgitated sacrifice, and he just had it up online for free for download.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, but it was into, cut into four different pieces because back then, you know, the internet was slower. Yeah. And you know, and I'm like, hey, dude, we ought to try and release this, this, and that. What not? Um, you know, and we did a deal, and we released a bunch of his stuff. And then we're like, okay, that's enough of that.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, like the the. The fourth one, ah, yeah, no, no. Mm-hmm. But
0: have you seen that one? No, we actually didn't seen the fourth one. We did do the the trilogy. Yeah, yeah, tri- yeah. The fourth one, uh,
1: it's it's just you know girls cutting themselves slightly. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> what to say. It's just yeah, no, it's like now we're not into that.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I just thought of another one. That I like the 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 Harakuri box set. Is when I don't hear a yeah, lot of Harry people. Carey. I don't hear a lot of people talk about that, and it's out of print now, too, isn't it?
1: It's. I have some left. Uh, they're still available somewhat, uh, but yeah, it, it's going out of print, and uh, yeah, 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 you won't be able to find it soon. Right. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool box set. I mean, it's got all the Harry Carey episodes in it. Um, figured we'll see see how this works out because it's it's almost like Japanese gore fetish. Mm-hmm. So we were like, okay, well, let's try this because there's some other stuff we're interested in. Uh, but you know, I mean, Harry Carey did okay. You know, it did well. Right. Uh, but you know, like you said, not not many people talk about it, and it's like you know, you watch it and the chicks like committing Harry Carey seppuku for about 45 minutes.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you guys, uh, after a while, you went from like the standard editions, and you still put those out, but like you start doing these really nice like digi packs. What was kind of the inspiration to kind of switch over to the more collector market? Well, the the collector market
1: is basically what's really left, almost. Uh, Youth of today do not buy DVDs, and they mostly don't buy Blu-rays. Right. Uh, So it's like, because before the industry, the horror industry, used to be your main target were males, 15 to... 30, 35. Now, it's mostly male, but more women are jumping on board. Thank God. Mm. But now, it's like 35 to 50 because all of those are the collectors. Those are the people who brought up collecting VHS, collecting baseball cards, Pokemon cards, for God's sake. I so was mm. selling that crap in 96, 95, whatever. Right. So it's like now the collectors' market is really what's left, and the thing is, there were some titles that we were getting to where we were getting so many extras. It's like, okay, wow, this can fill up to like you know three discs, huh? Okay, so let's let's do this, you know, because people go nuts over the collectors' editions,
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: but they cost so much to make. Ugh, you know. But luckily, luckily we've been doing well with them. Uh, people are, you know, wanting the limited edition collectors, you know, editions. and um, Yeah, yeah. So, so we wanted to do something special for some movies. Uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> Just because, you know, it's like uh, for indie, you know, you got to push it hard and it's got to be outside of the bubble, mm-hmm. you know. And a lot of the the mainstream horror fans, they they don't they don't get a lot of stuff. You know, it's like, it's really the old school people who like grew up watching the VHS bootlegs back in the '80s and early '90s, and the older folks who have seen really everything. So those are the guys who will dip their toe into the independent gore market and buy some cool shit.
0: Yeah, right. Oh, am I allowed to curse? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> um, do you see, like, will there always be a collector market? Do you think, or do you can you see a day when it's all digital?
1: Oh yeah, now it's well. See, here's uh yeah, the collector market is going to die. You know, they're they're pushing for the Blu-ray now, and they're pushing for the 4K Blu-ray,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is outrageously expensive to get a, a thing authored. You know, that, that's why you're not even seeing Screen Factory releasing the thing in 4K Blu-ray. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, it's off the 4K scan, but, you know, there's no 4K Blu-ray DVD. And if they can't even do that with the thing, then yeah, yeah, yeah. So the collector's market will slowly dissolve. It's like it's like uh, I was laughing when VHS had a resurgence. Mm-hmm. And and it's from the collectors of VHS back in the day. And suddenly, you know, VHS was hot. And everybody's like, yeah, no, VHS, VHS. And I'm like, guys, this is, the, the tape loses could signal over a period of time to the mag magnetic, you know, stripping it and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah. And, you know, of course now, you know, you used to be able to sell 100 copies of VHS on anything, like 100. But it's 100 copies. That's not a lot. Mm-hmm. And now it's like you know you're lucky for 2025, if you're lucky. <laughs> so it'll go the way because the younger people aren't collectors. Uh, some of them do get into the collectors market. We we are lucky enough that some young people are getting into the horror side and starting to collect, but they're far and few. Right. You know. So I mean, like even the comic book companies, Marvel and DC, they're having a hard time with their comic books. Really hard time, actually. Yeah. It's their movies that they're, you know, that they're making all the money, and their their division for the comic books stays open because of the movies.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, and that's the thing. Unless we get a resurgence of collectors, then yeah, then then we're all in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> And the, and the video, and the video on demand thing sucks. Nobody's making any money off of video on demand, mm-hmm. unless maybe it's like for right my here, Mandy did well. Uh, you know, but that's you know, you got to have Nicolas Cage in your outrageous gore movie for it to kick like
0: that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it seems like so, yeah. That's the problem is there's so many movies to choose from to get somebody to pick the one is way harder on video on demand. It seems like.
1: And where to find it It's like Like we just released The Song of Solomon That doesn't hit Cable VOD Until friggin' February Mm. So uh, We just put it up On the Unearthed Extreme channel On Vimeo Which I hear You can get to Through Roku But I don't know I don't know If that's true or not But uh, Yeah I mean Netflix Hulu Voodoo I know Voodoo Is supposed to take The Song of Solomon Don't know when I know they're behind So Solomon will get like a second brush, second push of fresh air like, you know, later on next year Mm -hmm. when the normals can fucking find it on cable VOD and say, oh, what's this? Oh, it's an exorcism movie. I like exorcism movies. They're going
0: to be in for trouble. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the the whole point. (laughs) (laughs) Is it? Is it hard to get on stuff like Voodoo? Like, is there a lot of unearthed titles on Voodoo?
1: Oh, yeah. No, there, there's... No, that's... Uh, Solomon will be the first one. Oh, wow. You know, uh, they're, they're all choosy it. Well, because they're also owned by Walmart.
0: Ooh, yeah. <laughs>
1: so, my, my reps were, uh, like, amazed and happy that they got it on Voodoo. But it's not on there yet. But it'll be there soon, you know? it's like, And, like, Netflix... I've sold titles to Netflix before. It was catalog stuff. They were only paying three or four grand. But they were wanting quality control checks. And they're like, oh, yeah, hey, we'll pay you this amount. But, yeah, this is this is the quality control, and it's going to cost you three grand. And I'm like, you're only giving us four grand each. Mm. We can't do this. This is stupid. So we had it quality control checked elsewhere. Still cost us some money, but not as much as what Netflix wanted. So it's like, so it's hard to get titles on the, the big corpse, uh, streaming sites. Right. And I, I mean, I was told recently that Netflix or independent films are only get paying like two or three grand. What's the use of doing that? Right. <laughs> Cause it's like, okay, they'll have it nonstop streaming for two years to how many hundred million people or whatever. And they'll only give you two or three grand. It's like, no, screw that. You guys don't get to see it. (laughs) Because it doesn't make sense. I mean, it makes sense if you want to ego stroke yourself. Look, my movie's on Netflix. Mm. But it doesn't mean that, you know, you made any money.
0: Right. Um, Yeah. We're both big independent wrestling fans, and currently the, the movement in there is everything has its own streaming service. Could that be something you think the the movie and horror industry could do? Do you think that's something that's possible? Well, I
1: mean Shutter's going going at it and that's owned by AMC. Mhm. And they pay good money from what I understand. We've hit them up a couple of times and they just said no. We had somebody on the inside that was interested, but then he quit. Mhm. And there's other, like, I think there's Spook TV or something. I just saw a new one, Film Fest or something, and they're pushing horror movies and stuff. I mean, I mean that's why we have our own uh, uh, Vimeo channel. Because, you know, you can't find our stuff on normal VOD services because it's too extreme. Right. And we're working on a Roku channel. If that works, then yay. Uh, mm-hmm. But we'll see what happens. Uh, we're still put, trying to put it together.
0: Yeah. Um, you all announced, uh, I believe it's the unnameable. Is that the correct name for it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the name. And you're kind of stepping into a more of a uh, a retro market with a couple titles. How did that become? A, how did that come about? And um, what can we expect from that in the future?
1: Oh well, that's you see, that's the thing. If you look at the earlier titles of Unearth. All that stuff was basically retro titles. Aftermath was made in 1993, hmm. I think. You know, we released Frank Hooker, Rock and Roll, uh, Evil Dead Trap 2. I mean, even though they were new first releases here in the U.S., they were also older titles. So uh, the thing is, you know, older titles cost quite a bit. And we actually sell a lot of titles to Arrow and other companies. So uh, we're just not going to sell them everything anymore.
0: Right.
2: (laughs) Now
1: we're like, we'll sell you this, but we're keeping this. We'll sell you this, we'll keep this. Um, Yeah.
0: You also announced a a Serbian film, which is a (sighs) massive film inside of the extreme fan world. How did that come about? And when can we expect it to come out? Because I think a lot of people are really excited about it.
1: Well, we're actually in the middle of suing the first company who put it out here in
0: the U.S. Is that the one that did the cut version?
1: Yep, yep, yep. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, they did a bunch of stuff they shouldn't have, so uh, we're slapping them upside the head. Good. Uh, Yeah, lawsuits moving forward. So basically, uh, we're waiting until the end of the lawsuit to do our release. Right. Yeah, and uh, we'll have we'll have an extended cut of it. It'll be about six and a half minutes longer, and we're working on the documentary uh, that uh, Sir Jam's working on in Serbia right now. Uh, so yeah, so it'll be it'll be a cool, uh, cool, uh, damn cool release because uh, the documentary is just I mean there was so many so much footage behind the scenes it wasn't even funny.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah could you talk a little bit about maybe the first time you watched a Serbian film and like your reaction to it?
1: Oh, well, I watched it with my second ex-wife. She loved it. Turned her on for some odd reason. Oh gosh. And, uh, uh, and, uh, I put in a bid for it, but we got outbid by the company we're suing right now. Mm. (laughs) So, So, so it's one of those things. Uh, Cool thing is that uh, you know uh, I met Surgeon at a convention here in LA actually, and we talked, and I told him how you know we got outbid on it. He's like, "Oh, I really wish you would have gotten it." And I'm like, "So do I." Mm. He's like, "Hey, let's do a deal." (laughs) So I got the baby here in my living room. I got the dismembered, decapitated blonde under the bed. (laughs) (laughs) I got all the props. Everything's here, uh, as you know. If you knew, we we put the stuff up on uh, eBay auctions, and we got yanked.
0: Yeah, we heard about that.
1: Yeah, so that sort of sucked. Uh, just because it, it got it screwed up the momentum because we were having an exhibition here in LA, and we had a screening of the full uncut here, and the auction was going on at the same time. And oh, if it would have just got to the end of the damn auctions, we would have been golden. Right. You know. But I still got the baby, and it's still for sale. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm debating on taking it to horror conventions, and you know, it's like, oh, well, you can have a picture with Elvira for eighty dollars, or for twenty bucks, you can get a picture holding a Serbian baby. (laughs) I think there'd be a little bit of a line for that.
0: (laughs) Probably, you're probably right. Yeah. I said, joking. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Most famous baby in all the horror fandom.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> um, I believe there was a time where uh, they were talking, Sir Jan, I believe, was talking about making another movie that you all were going to put out as well. Is that still happening?
1: It's still working. Um, the hard part these days is that since the industry is in the tank. That uh, it's harder to get money for like a full-fledged movie, mm-hmm. you know, because he he can't do low budget, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's it's jumping through hoops. I mean, in Europe, basically, a lot of the governments actually pay to get those movies made for filmmakers. Uh, you got to jump through a lot of uh, a lot of hoops, fill out a lot of paperwork, but. If you get accepted, the government gives you the money to make the movie, and you as the filmmaker actually get to own the film afterwards. So it's sort of crazy. It's, it's Europe, they push for their arts. They know that films from their countries do well overseas, and it pushes their country, so that's what they actually do. Hmm. I mean, if you knew Martyrs was actually paid by uh, the French government and a couple other different governments, <laughs> you'd be like, "Oh, what the hell!"
0: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, it's it's sort of crazy. I mean, that's uh, uh, Luc Besson. Most of his movies are paid with government money because once you're in the system, you're you're it. Uh, so yeah, so so we're jumping through a couple of hoops trying to get some of that stuff going uh, in Serbia.
2: That. Right. Yeah, you right. know,
1: cause that, Yeah, because it's, it's like if you have 10 employees from the country of Turkey, Turkey will throw some money at you. If you got you know, 10 others from like Germany, they'll throw some money at it. It's not sort of crazy. It's sort of like messed up because we have nothing like that here in the U.S.
0: Yeah, it is kind of crazy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess now would be a good time to start talking about the American guinea pig movies. How did the ideal come from, like— to kind of relaunch this series? Like, where did that all start?
1: Back in 1996, I was writing the history of the guinea pig films. And I was driving in my car someplace, and I was like, oh, man, I'd love to somehow get the rights to these and release these in the U.S. And lo and behold, years later, it actually happened. And while it was happening, I was like, hey what if we get the name, can we remake a new series? And the Japanese company's like, no, 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 no. They're like, you're lucky you're getting the films to release in the first place. And so it's always been on my mind since 2002. Little did I know, 11 years later, I'd start making them. So it was a very long plan. <laughs>
2: that is very long. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Most people would have given up, or they were short sighted, and they're like, "Oh, I gotta do this this month or this this year." And so I'm like, no, no, no. I'm I'm gonna make sure this happens in the decades.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so yeah, so it's, it's so yeah. So uh, recently, you know, the uh the president of the company in Japan uh, was retiring. Hit him at the right time. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, just go for it. I don't care. Nice. So, boom, paperwork signed. Boom, it's going. Um, and that's how he started. <laughs> was
0: uh, was the being the first one bouquet of guts and gore kind of a plan to give the American audience something a little more familiar before you kind of strayed into crazier territory? <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, Bouquet of Guts and Gore, it's actually the prequel to Flower, Flesh, and Blood. Because at the beginning of the Flower, Flesh, and Blood, Hadithi Hino, the director, puts it point blank on the screen. It says, I received a snuff, 8mm snuff movie in the mail. I watched it, and this is my reenaction of it. Re-enaction, re- reenactment of it. Thank you. So, Bouquet is the movie that he supposedly watched.
0: I don't think I ever put that together. That is awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, you see? So, so, it's a prequel, and that's the movie that was the inspiration for Flyer, Flesh, and Blood. And when fans find out about that, they're like, oh, holy shit, that's smart. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs>
2: that's awesome.
1: You know? So, uh, yeah, and that was to connect the old to the new making a prequel, and now we can do whatever the hell we want. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's basically, it's an extreme gore series. And there's only been one before that, Now it's the guinea pig movies. You know, because I don't think, I mean, you know, there's like, uh, you know, Baffer case one through three. You know, it's the same story, same actors, this and that. But there's no real series that's just pure gore. So it's an awesome thing that we're doing. And I'm really lucky to be able to be pulling it off as as well as we're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you heard the question. Uh,
2: right. As well as we're doing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um. So so yeah, so
1: it's 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 interesting, it's fun. I think it's gonna be you know, I'm hoping to keep it going for a while. Uh the people I work with here are wanting me to do bigger budgeted movies now. Since Solomon, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and that's all awesome and I'm all for it. Hell yeah. Uh, but it's hard to get somebody to finance, you know, an idea cause it's, it's sort of crazy cause you gotta have an idea that the money person is like, oh my God, yes, I want to see that. Here's all the money. Right. <laughs> and, and people who do make movies know it's a crapshoot. Cause you never know what the heck's gonna be made
2: mm-hmm.
1: and whether or not it's gonna be commercially viable decent good whatever so yeah it's 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 a really screwed up industry uh, Cause there's a lot of a lot of trust fund kids out here <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of independently it, wealthy people that make movies and they don't care if they lose money, yeah, but it's a business you got to make you gotta, if you make a movie you got to make three times the budget back one to pay off the investors one to pay whatever bills and stuff and another to make the sequel it's
0: crazy <laughs>
1: yeah yeah that's what that's what you got to do otherwise then you're just I don't know what you're doing <laughs>
0: Um, Marcus Cook's effects in all of the movies are uh, absolutely amazing. Kind of where did you meet Marcus Cook, and how is it working with him?
1: I met him in Tampa, Florida. I mean, we both lived there. And uh, uh, it's funny. He tells me he met me at my comic book store, but then he said my video store. Mm -hmm. And he told me he directed the movie *Rot*. And he swears up and down the I said, oh, yeah, Rot, that movie
2: sucks.
1: (laughs) Okay. And I'm like, dude, I've never seen Rot. That's not me you're thinking of. (laughs) Oh, no, it's you. And I'm like, no, no, it's not. I actually just watched Rot here, like, maybe three months ago, three or four months ago with him. (laughs) Rot. And I'm like, yeah, no, this is all, no, never saw it. And, yeah, so, but, um... I met him a long time ago and we stayed friends and, you know, I had a video store at one time, so we'd pop in every now and then. And, uh, he made his movie a hundred tears and we were going to release it for him. Uh, they ended up going with another company and got ripped off. (laughs) And then they came back to us and, uh, it was sort of, sort of interesting because when I was going through my last divorce, I was
0: looking
1: for a place to stay, and he's like, oh, dude, you can move in with us,
0: you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, so me and him became roommates. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've heard this or not, but uh, there was a scene from American guinea pig, Bouquet of Guts and Gore, that was uploaded to YouTube, and it caught fire online of people saying it was a real snuff film. Have you heard this?
1: Oh, yeah, I saw it. It had like the top five things from the deep web.
0: Yes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. To me, that was absolutely fascinating because it's like in a weird way, it got the exact same kind of reaction as the original guinea pig did. Oh,
1: yeah. It it, it showed up uh, on the torrents, and in Mexico, they were pushing it as real, too.
0: That's incredible. Uh,
1: (laughs) There's a couple places that were pushing it as real, uh, which is great. It's like, all right, Mm. awesome. I wish I could sell some copies to Mexico. <laughs> That's
0: right, yeah. <laughs> it just, I don't know, it just seems so odd that, like, in a weird way, it kind of got the exact same reputation as the original did. Yeah, well, for the new era. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you get lucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: sometimes you
0: get very lucky. Uh, where did the ideal for Bloodshot come from? Because it's such a unique ideal. Well,
1: I had the idea... And uh, it was after Bouquet of Guts and Gore, and I wrote it out. I did like an eight-page treatment for it, and I pitched the idea to Marcus, and he loved it. He's like, "Oh hell yeah, no, no, I, I, I'll direct this." And I'm like, "Okay, cool. Here, you direct this, just because I don't want to direct them all. Mm-hmm. My, my head's not that big." <laughs> so, like, I'd I like to write them all. But even that's changing now, you know. And, yeah. Uh, so I wrote Blood Shock, and you know the ending, you know um, what he came up with with the black and white that went to color. That was all him. Uh, and yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just beautiful. It's you know, and, and that's the thing we because we already did Bouquet of Guts and Gore, so it's like we can't do another Snuffin', you know. Mm-hmm.
2: Because, uh, really, how the heck are you going to top Bouquet? Yeah. <laughs> you know. So,
1: but with Bloodshock, and that's a cross between Devil's Experiment and Lucky Sky Diamond. Hmm. Because um, that's like an unofficial guinea pig movie where the people were taking out adrenochrome out of somebody's head and getting all stoned and high and bouncing around the walls.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, really cool. I tried getting the rights to that, but it's in legal limbo right now because a couple of different people own it.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, so, Devil, uh, so Bloodshock is like a cross between Devil's Experiment and uh, Lucky Sky Diamond. And, uh, you know, Marcus did a great job because it's, it's totally different than Bouquet. Uh, it's mean. The black and white, you know, has a really nice, you know, sheen to it. I mean, I've seen people complain that, you know, they're like, oh, it's it's a guinea pig. It needs to be in full color, blah, 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 blah. Well, what they don't know is that the future box set's going to have the full color version of Bloodshock as well.
0: I really like the black and white. I think it adds something to it. I think it makes it really gritty. Oh, it does. scary. Yeah, no,
1: it does. And it it helps the ending go. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, on the box set, we'll have the normal version, which is the black and white one, but we'll also have a a, a duplicate version that'll be 12 minutes longer and in full color.
0: Um, when Bloodshock was coming out, did you get any kind of, like, people freaking out, like, oh, no, they're switching the format? No, no, nobody could,
1: no, no, everybody was like, they, they knew that we had to do something different. Because, you know, I mean... But what it was what going to be. I mean, the guinea pig series is not a pure snuff series, right? And that—that's the one thing I see that uh, some fans say. They're like, "Oh, they're—you know—it's not torture. It's not snuff." And it's like, dude, most of the guinea pigs weren't torture and snuff. It was just the first two.
0: Yeah, a lot of them were comedy.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of them were comedies. And it's like, ah, you know, I, I got a com- comedic one in me. I'm—I'm I'm waiting to see what happens. You know, because I mean, Solomon and Sacrifice just came out, so we'll see how the sales do. Mm-hmm. To you know, because if if it doesn't make you know everybody money, then it's just like okay, then you know, let's move something different. Right. You know, but I think you know if we can keep budgets low and stuff, and uh, gorehound interest high, then we can keep going.
0: Um, Song of Solomon, like. Me, personally, I'm not a big fan of the Exorcist films, but I really, really loved Song of Solomon. Where did that ideal come from? And, like, you know, it seems kind of interesting to, to go with a guinea pig film that's an exorcism film. Where where did that ideal come from? Well, that, that was on me.
1: <laughs> that was, it was, uh, I wanted to do an exorcism film. I mean, I actually started buying the, uh, the books and the clothes and the, The exorcism kits, like, uh, right after Bouquet, just to start stockpiling stuff for it, and uh, Bloodshock was done, you know, uh, had some money from that, and then I'm like, okay, hey, we're going to make a crazy exorcism film for the guinea pig universe, because that's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because nobody's done an outrageous exorcism film before,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know? And all the newest ones, you know, Conjuring and Exorcism of Emily Rose and da-da-da-da-da. It's just like nobody went there. So I'm like, we're going to go there. Yeah. And that's exactly what we did. And, you know, um, I wrote the screenplay for that. Uh, Pretty detailed. uh, A lot of the rights in there. And, you know, we used 100% real Catholic rituals and everybody was wearing real Catholic robes and you know everything was like honky dory <laughs> I can't believe I just used the word honky dory <laughs> but uh, yeah 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 it was something different and I mean that's why we don't have the American guinea pig name on it and that was to hopefully get it into red box which they turned down those rat bastards oh god <laughs> If I would have gotten that in the red box, because they had the Terrifier in there, for God's sakes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm like, you know, because then, then, boom, we would have been on uh, another level. Right. And that, there's no curse words in it, there's no nudity in it. Uh, It's got everything else, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> did, uh. So, yeah, so.
0: God. Oh, sorry. I was just saying, uh, did you get any kind of reaction, maybe from, uh,. Christian Like extreme Christians Blow back on it Without even saying it Cause I don't think it's Necessarily blasphemous In any way But you know No 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 it's a it's
1: a Christian movie Right But <laughs> That's my Christian movie I'm a Christian Uh I actually Just a little bit online Uh Not too bad You know like on trailers And stuff like that And then you know When I would get like One of the wacko Christians On there I'm like, dude, you haven't seen the movie. I'm a Christian. This is my Christian movie. You're judging me and the movie before you've even seen it, so you need to shut the fuck up. Right. And usually, you know, they'll come back at me, and then I'll spout a couple of uh, uh, couple of lines from the Bible back at them, and then they just slink away usually. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's amazing. A lot of times these people online need to have the last word. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. Well, usually, you, you, yeah, yeah. But you, usually I'm pretty good at putting somebody in their place if I need to. <laughs> so, and, then, and you know, yeah.
0: Right. Um.
1: So hopefully we'll, hopefully there'll be more outrage as it, as it keeps growing, you know, because I've talked to a lot of people that are like, oh, my God, they're like, this is like Under the Exorcist. This is my favorite Exorcism movie. <laughs> I'm going to turn everybody on to it. So if just if the fans push it, promote it, get their friends to watch it just to be like, holy shit, it'll become a thing. Because the thing is, it's like, it's so brand new. It, It just came out August 14th. I mean, how long did it take Evil Dead to become like a thing? Right. You know. And it was like, that was shot in like 79 or 80, I think. And then it was released on VHS in 81. And then we didn't get an Evil Dead 2 until like 88, maybe yeah. 87. But it took a long time, you know, and movies got to be out there in the ether long enough for it to get a following.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, unless you have the, the big bucks to, like, make it a splash. Yeah. Which, you know, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> We, we we can make a splash with our fans and uh, the horror industry knows we're here um, we keep bumping up against other people like oh no I do not have to watch extreme movies no it's got to be mainstream oh it's got to be mainstream mm-hmm. it's like fuck you you mm-hmm. <laughs> you you're, 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 you don't know what horror is good for right because <laughs> I've had plenty of uh uh horror people come up to me at shows and stuff and they thank me profusely because they're like dude you know your movies keep me from getting up on a bell tower with a sniper rifle and start picking people off right (laughs) and I can understand that you know Uh, horror is a great release to where you can see all the crazy fucked up shit that you really want to do in your head but you don't Mm -hmm. so you see it on the safety of your couch <laughs> so,
0: yeah. Um, what I thought was very interesting was, as the song of Solomon" was getting ready to drop with the kicks or the Indiegogo and everything, out of nowhere, you guys announced "Sacrifice." Where did this come from, and was that the plan all along to kind of just sneak it in there and surprise everybody?
1: Well, um, Dimessiano he produced it. Yeah, you know, he's in Italy, and when they had it, they actually said like a guinea pig sacrifice and somebody told me about it and i went and i found him and i hit him up hey you can't do that shit and he's like yes we can and i'm like no you can't and then like uh, some of his italian friends are like dude no that's pyro. don't fuck with him and so he, he agreed to take off the like a guinea pig moniker And then, like, three weeks later, he hits me up. Hey, uh, I want you to take a look at the movie and tell me what you think. I'm really nervous because, you know, you're the guinea pig guy and da-da-da. It's a take on, like, he never dies in a way. And I'm like, okay, well. And so I watched it. And I hit him up. I'm like, dude, I want this film for the guinea pig series. He's like, what? So, you know, we worked out a deal. So it was like that was going on behind the scenes while the Solomon thing was hitting. And I was like, "Okay, now we got a fourth film." And uh, I went and I showed it at Texas Frightmare, and everybody thought I was going to be showing Song of Solomon, so the place was pretty packed. But instead, they got Sacrifice, which sort of blew their minds.
2: Mm.
1: <laughs> and that's when we added it. I think at the yeah yeah Texas Frightmare was a couple of months before the Indiegogo that we started. Right. So then, you know, and I figured let's add the, you know, sacrifice to the Indiegogo just because they'll be like, oh, holy shit, a secret guinea pig. That's mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> so it's, it's, the whole thing is keeping the fans on their toes.
0: Right. Like giving,
1: give, Making the excitement happen.
0: Yeah, we live in a day when rumors and everything are out there. It's so rare to actually get surprised by something, and that generally was a surprise. Like, I was like... I know. I was like, "Wow, that's insane! That's awesome! <laughs> that it just kind of happened." Yeah,
1: yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly what we're going for. So, so that's cool. I mean, I'm trying to do like the. Uh, I mean, if I could go and like do a theatrical showing and put joy buzzers underneath everybody's seat, I would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like William Castle did for
2: the Tingler, Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but the industry is totally different now. And you know the the old school horror guys, they'd be able to get theatrical showings and independent screenings and stuff. But everybody turned to corporate, right? To where it's just single cinemas, AMC cinemas, and this and that. But you do have independent theaters around. Mm-hmm. But you know uh, it's hard to get into some of those. So yeah, so it's it's totally a different industry now.
0: Um, just as a a question that I'm always like to ask people, what do you think is the most disturbing movie ever made?
1: Mm. Uh, that's a hard one because I've, I've, I've seen tons of the Japanese fetish gore porn. Mm, right. <laughs> you know, uh, the Tojira rare fetish. I mean, that's, that's the hard part. Cause like I've, I used to sell like, you know, uh, hardcore sadistic, you know, uh, porn vids where it's like guys cut off their own fingers just to be like, Look at me you know and mm. people like nailing their balls to a table with a hammer and nails. So so it's sort of hard for me to say a movie. Um maybe a thing called uh, uh erotic perversions.
0: <laughs> well, I don't think I've ever heard that one.
1: Yeah, I I have I have one of, you know, I have an existing copy here. It's a 1974 uh, porn loops with, like, you know, hooks and fish hooks through the nipples and guns in the mouth and force this and that. They, they were legal until that thing came out. And then, like, Gloria Alred and all those other, you know, really hardcore 70s feminists made sure that, you know, the porn booths on uh, 42nd Street stopped Offering, like, the rape stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, but, if, I mean, that's a hard thing. I mean, uh, August Underground Mortem's a good one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but that, but that's, you know, it, it had, like, you know, Maggot in there, Jeremy Cruz, it had all, you know. Um, but then, uh, there's there's, uh, there's some other stuff. I mean, Green Elephant is really screwed up. I've been trying to release that for a bit, but the woman wants no part of it. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Melancholy the Angels, yes, which we were going to put out, but everybody flipped out on us because they're like, they killed a real cat in it. Because Mary and Dora and them, they're like, yes, we killed a real cat in this.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and
1: they, they were they were proud of it, and I'm like, ah, oh, you know, and they had some uh, they had a scene where. Some guy's fisting somebody and there's shit on their hand,
0: mm. and that that's like totally fisting is totally illegal here in the u s really
1: <laughs> you know to sell, yeah, to sell uh, that's why if you go to one of those creepy porn stores, you'll never see any of that stuff. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so it's illegal to do, and plus you know we kill the cat. I mean, what the fuck? I love cats right, so we, we we you know we we didn't put it out, and you know, of course, now they're like, oh no, the cat's fake. Fuck you!
0: <laughs> yeah, no. We've seen that movie. Like, the cat ain't fake. <laughs> yeah, no, no,
1: no. It's just like backtrack much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. There's, there's a couple other things out there. I'm, I'm not remembering any of
0: them right. now. Right. Um, just what does the, the future of Unearthed and American Guinea Pig film uh, hold right now?
1: Well, hopefully, I mean, I'm talking to Jeremy Cruz. I might have him direct the next one. Um, we're picking up more and more classic movies. I mean, we're, we're making an announcement. Uh, tomorrow, press releases go out. Or maybe today. No, it went out today. Press releases for uh, a couple of Japanese horror movies okay. that we're putting out. Uh, you can actually find stuff. We have to put stuff in the system so far ahead in advance. That we haven't even made announcements yet, but people can find it on Amazon
2: oh yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah there's a, a, a intense extreme movie called uh Brutal that we're putting out uh done by uh, the director Takeshi Takashi Heroes hmm. and uh that you'll probably s- start seeing that and uh well, and since this is gonna be like you you're gonna edit or whatever, it's gonna take you a bit to put this
0: up yeah, it won't be next week, it'll be the week after.
1: Okay, yeah. So the 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 other movie is called A Record of Sweet Murder, and it's directed by uh, I forget the director's name, but he directed Grotesque. Yes. Yeah.
0: I'd heard of this so, movie. Uh,
1: yeah, so we're putting that out. Uh, we're we're making the announcement for that, and we got another movie called Dis. Um, that's an extreme mindfuck, uh, starring Bill Oberst Jr. mm um, yeah, we, we got, I mean, there's so many movies, both classics and new stuff coming out that, uh, we're going to be busy for the next year. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So from now on, you're going to be seeing a movie a month. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. And if we could jack it up to two a month, we will, but we got to get over this hump because we're growing now in leaps and bounds. Awesome.
0: That's great. Uh, is there anything we didn't bring up that you'd like to mention before we end this interview? Uh,
1: probably my cookbook. You didn't talk about my cookbook that I wrote. Oh, I don't
0: know if I knew about this.
1: <laughs> you didn't know I wrote a cookbook?
0: I don't know. I don't think I did.
1: Man, it's called The Ultimate Dead Baby Cookbook.
0: Oh, nice.
1: <laughs> yeah, recipes on how to cook dead babies. It was uh, followed before that. It was the ultimate dead baby joke book and that I was getting Now that I was getting death threats from from left and right. Wow. Uh, and that's why I wrote the cookbook for fun. Uh, but you know, I wrote a bunch of other books, uh, uh, my memoirs and stuff about, uh, you know, finding God taking amounts of, massive amounts of drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's books out there <sighs> You just do a search for Stephen Byron on Amazon, you'll find them all.
0: Nice. <laughs> I'll definitely <laughs> have to check those out.
1: So, yeah, and you know, and then and there's all sorts of other stuff in the works too. I mean, I'm hoping to work with Marcel Walls here soon. He did the Blood Feast remake,
2: mm.
1: and uh, some other, a bunch of other filmmakers. I mean, I'm trying to spread everything around. Uh, that way, it's not just me.
0: Right. You know. So yeah. Uh, one final question. And it just kind of hit me, and I assume a lot of people would be angry if I didn't ask. Will we ever see the guinea pig series re released?
1: No, nope, never. Mm. <laughs> never, never. Uh the 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 films bring great shame to Japan. Yeah. Because of the child murderer and rapist Miyazaki. I forget his that first name. And when that happened back in the nineties, they all blamed or the eighties, they all blamed the guinea pig movies on it because they found one copy amongst this treasure trove of tentacle hentai and all this other stuff, Mm -hmm. but they blamed the guinea pig movies. So that's when they started turning to the comedy bits. And even then, so they pulled it, and, you know, it's never been offered for sale. And uh, we got our hands on it, and we sold it to Germany. Uh, We sold it, I think, to France and then you know we released it ourselves and yeah they 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 will not allow us to put it out again so those dvds are now even rare
2: right <laughs>